Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked on NBA. On today's show, Kawhi Leonard becomes eligible for the Supermax. We'll talk about what that means for his future. Then we'll discuss the most underrated free agent signings of the summer and the bind the Clippers find themselves in. It's Locked on NBA. Thank you so much for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked on the NBA. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for the Step Back, and you can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Romillo, credentialed NBA writer who's covered the league at large for SB Nation and Fan Sided. You can follow me in my writing on Twitter at DRomill13. With most of the free agents signed, we'll talk about our most underrated editions of the summer, then get to some news later on. But let's start with a game of true or false about Kawhi Leonard. As of Monday, Kawhi became eligible to sign the Supermax worth upwards of $221 million. But after coming off that mysterious quad injury, we don't suspect that the Spurs will offer it to him. The key here is that if he's traded, he won't be eligible to receive the Supermax, which is worth up to 35% of the cap. He'll still be eligible, of course, for the regular max worth up to 30% of the cap. But what that all means is that if he doesn't get the Supermax, which very few players are ever eligible for, there's going to be a lot of money left on the table for him. So true or false... When push comes to shove, David, the Supermax could be enough for Kawhi and the Spurs to put their differences aside. I mean, false? I, I just, I think everything that we've heard out of this really bizarre situation is that Kawhi is done with San Antonio and their front office. I think the level of trust that may or may not have been established there appears to have been broken. Now, obviously, you, you listen to Locked on Spurs and you talk to Spurs fans and you'll hear a completely different story that everything's salvageable, that Kawhi can and will return back to this team at 100% and will you know, bring the Spurs back or help continue the Spurs dynasty for a few more years at least and help take it over. I, I think everybody outside of that insulated circle doesn't see that same perspective. And I think from everybody else's perspective, uh, Kawhi and his his camp, you know, and, and that terminology gets a little vague at times, but people who are representing Kawhi or talking for him all seem to think that it's time for Kawhi to move on, whether it be Philadelphia or Los Angeles, perhaps even the Clippers. Um, but there hasn't been any kind of real information. We, we're hearing agents potentially leak things to media. We're hearing agents leak things to other places. We're hearing the team uh, and their perspective, although somewhat shrouded in mystery there. So I don't know that there's anything definitive, but from everything I've seen, my gut tendency is that Kawhi and the Spurs are basically done. And this situation has been compared to the Kyrie Irving situation from last summer several times. Mm. And I this is just different. This is this is deeply personal. Or at least think, seems to be deeply know. personal. I don't know that it's, it's different, though. I think there's some those similarities are there pretty There are, but it just, there seems to be a, a deep distrust between the organization Kawhi and, and how the organization views Kawhi. I think the distrust has built itself both ways at this point in a way that what that wasn't the case with Kyrie Irving in Cleveland. There wasn't this level of animosity and distrust. I think just mm. Kyrie wanted a different place to be. He wanted to get on, out of LeBron's shadow, and he wanted to be with a place that didn't have nearly the spotlight that Cleveland did, and, and you know, ended up going to Boston, and might not even play for Boston later on. He just It seemed like he just wanted... There were a couple reasons why he wanted to get out, but it didn't seem like this deep, personal attack. And that's what this seems like. There seems to be real negative energy 
in one way, I like you said, there is no definitive information. We have no idea what's going on. The quad injury is is you know the extra adjective there is mysterious. This whole situation has just been mysterious. It just it what what we do know is it just seems really bad. It just and I don't know that there's any coming back from this. Some people thought that the Cavaliers screwed up and not trying to just come to terms with Kyrie that they should have gotten LeBron and Kyrie in a room and figured it out. There's here's, nothing here's like a... that can happen with this with Kawhi. I think this is I think like you said this just seems like. It's just kind of like this situation is over and it's done. And, and at some point they're going to go different ways. Here, here's a bigger question here. Is there any way for Kawhi to salvage his relationship with Spurs fans? Uh, you know, whether he takes the deal or not, yeah. he'll come across as a money grubbing, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the, what winning, the winning a championship. Yeah. If he, win, I, if he wins a championship, everything's good. I mean, in maybe, the history of the sports, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Good. But I mean, there, it's so, it's so weird. Like if he leaves, he's betrayed San Antonio, the franchise that brought him up and, and, you know, he sold out Spurs culture and everything else. And if he takes the money and he just comes across as being greedy and, you know, they still lack any trust and, and they want to move him as soon as possible. It's so, you know, weird that a year ago, two years ago maybe, you know, with with Tim Duncan's retirement, Kawhi was seen as the future of this franchise that's been so consistent and has been a model of consistency for decades. And now it, everything seems like it's falling apart. Tony Parker goes to Charlotte. Kawhi's situation is really strangely, uh, you know, uh, fluctuating from day to day, it seems. Uh, it's just... Goes to show I, the No one ever thought, Duncan yeah, nobody would ever have culture. thought that this could happen with San Antonio, right? Tim Duncan was so important to the whole personality of that thing and, yes. and what they were able to do. And once he left, you're right, it just it, everything has basically collapsed. Um, despite still having Greg Popovich there, but the other part of the, that Supermax, right, is that if he signs it, I don't know that another team... There's, there's two sides here. If he signs it and is traded, at least the other team knows that they have him under contract, right? Because he can't, he can't get the Supermax if he's traded. But he can take the Supermax now and then get traded, right, And on that right. contract. But I don't know that a team wants to pay him $50 million in the last year of that season when you don't know what even, what if getting. he's going to be healthy. Right. And But on the other side, if it's a team that figures maybe they have no shot at retaining Kawhi Leonard, like a Sacramento Kings, for example, do they, they might prefer that he already signs the Supermax. And at least they say, well, if he's not healthy, whatever. We're taking a shot on Kawhi anyway because that's the best, that's the best scenario that we have. So, the this whole supermax can go in a lot of different directions if it's even on, if it ever ends up being signed by Kawhi in the first place. But um, the second true or false question: Kawhi will be on the Spurs at the start of the regular season. It's tough, right? I um, I think yes, and I think that despite not signing the, the the supermax, I think he'll stay with the Spurs because they have all the leverage at this point where they can keep him on there. I think they're they've. You know, reportedly been asking for a huge package in return for Kawhi. They're not going to get that. For a team like Los Angeles, if they really are actively trying to pursue Leonard and everything would seem to point in that general direction, why trade away players that are on the cusp of becoming potentially very good, like their young core, Brandon Ingram, etc., in the hope of getting a guy like Kawhi, if you can just wait it out for a year? You've got all these, you know, veterans signed for a one-year deal: JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, etc. Guys that aren't going to be there on the roster next year. Why not just wait it out and see if you can lure Kawhi there as a free agent? And and, and that makes more a lot more sense than trading away the core of what could be a, a real foundational piece for your team. Then there's there's the Paul George risk to that approach as well, too, though. Um, right. 
if another team comes and trades for Kawhi, maybe it's the Toronto Raptors who have recently been rumored to be uh, on the hunt for him. Maybe he just decides to stay in Toronto, but who knows? Um, I just there there's a situation right where it, it serves both the Spurs and Kawhi for Kawhi to start the season with San Antonio and right. play a little bit right. just to show that he's healthy. I just I don't see that as an I I just don't see that happening. I don't think Kawhi will ever just play a game for the Spurs again. I it just seems like it, the situation the relationship is that broken that even if it serves him he won't do it. Um, but you know if, if you're if you're the Spurs you hope that Kawhi would at least play a few games for you show that the quad's fine that he's healthy and then it boosts his trade value. And if you're Kawhi you know the Spurs could be con- they they could convince you say hey I, I we know you hate us. But for your own selfish reasons, you should play these first few weeks of the season. Show that you're healthy, and then that way we could trade you. Because right now we're having a hard time doing it because nobody knows what you look like on the court when you're playing basketball. You know, so, you brought up that Kyrie trade, and that took place in late August. So there's yeah, still plenty of time before the start of, of the season. Well, the Kawhi uh, shoe is yet to drop, but most of the free agent stuff is done with. We'll discuss the most underrated free agent signings of the offseason next. But first... Things in the NBA can change every day, like the Kawhi Leonard situation. That means you need a daily podcast to break down everything that's happening around the league. So subscribe to Locked On NBA, if you're not already, on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app, the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Later on, we'll talk about some decisions the Clippers have to make soon, but let's talk about some of the more underrated free agent signings in the summer. We know the headliners, LeBron James, Boogie Cousins to the Warriors, etc., but who is a guy who hasn't gotten enough attention, David? I know a lot of Raptors fans will probably echo these sentiments, but uh, Fred Van Vliet's return to Toronto on a two-year deal, I think that's a huge move for them. Um, you know, Obviously, their, uh, their bench outscored uh, opponents by 200 and some points, the leading group in the, in the NBA. I think when he was injured late in the season, they lost some of that oomph, and it was clearly evident there in the playoffs. He tried returning, and that was gone. They got swept by Cleveland. Now, that's a number for a number of reasons, and LeBron James' incredible play certainly helped facilitate that. But I think Van Vliet coming back in a reasonable deal is a really nice thing for them. You know, They're going to run back that same team. Look, maybe they trade for Kawhi. More than likely, they won't. But you still have that young core there uh, with OG and Anunoby and some other players. You get you know uh, Kyle Lowry. You get DeMar DeRozan back there. And with the Eastern Conference being much more wide open now that LeBron's gone, having a guy like Van Vliet that can lead your second unit, come in there and play clutch, clutch situations as well is a huge boost for Toronto. Especially if they end up moving on from some guys, if they try to move a DeMar DeRozan or a Kyle Lowry or something like that. I mean, he could play an even bigger role for them. Um, my most underrated signing is Brooke Lopez to the Milwaukee Bucks on a one-year $3.4 million deal. He's a, Look, the, the Bucks have been searching for an answer at center for quite a long time. They've they've needed a guy who could space the floor but also rebound and protect the rim a little bit. And look, Brook Lopez has never been known as a as a stalwart defender, but he made some modest improvements last year with the Lakers, got his playing time. He was actually a positive in def- in defensive box plus minus according to basketball reference last season for for and over his career actually is better than you know, it looks cuz he's kind of like this big plotting guy. Yeah. Um, but he makes the most of what he he has. He tries hard, um, and I think you know. Look, I, the Bucks were terrible at center last year, at least defensively. He's an improvement, and that says a lot. Even though he's not very good at that end, but he's still he's fine. 
Um, but the, the most important thing is he could space the floor. He's he shot thirty almost thirty five percent on four point four three point attempts per game last season. So you put him next to Giannis, he's able to spread the floor a little bit. It lets Giannis attack the rim. I think it's a really big move for them. One that could really improve their team and give them some stability at the center position. You know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the Van Vliet uh, move because as far as Brooke Lopez is concerned, I've seen a lot of Lakers fans kind of, they don't really care too much about it. And maybe that's because they thought they were getting Paul George and and they were going to get Kawhi Leonard, et cetera. Or maybe there's still still a chance they can get Kawhi and they've already gotten LeBron James, but... And there's, of course, a healthy dose of Lakers fanaticism and insanity that goes with it. But they don't seem to mind Lopez leaving the roster too much. I, I agree with you. I I, ha- I tend to think that he's a, a really smart, good player. And again, had spa- that floor spacing ability is going to be a huge boost for, for Milwaukee. Cause and to get him on that contract, $3.4 million on a one-year prove-it deal, especially when they're paying guys like John Henson upwards of twelve million a year, you need a guy that's cheap like that. I just I think it, it, the value at that deal is, is is great. Yeah, he's not gonna be a rim protector for that team. That's no. not his job. Um but I think you have him out there and you get enough versatile scoring on the on the wing. You know, guys like uh you know obviously Giannis Adetokounmpo and, and and Middleton. Guys like that I think they can provide enough defense around the rim where you can funnel players off the three point line towards Lopez and he's got that big body he did block almost what two shots per game last year. I think I think he could be a pretty solid defender. Oh, I'm sorry, it was only 1.3 per 36. It was two blocks per game, but uh, you know I think he could he could do a pretty good job for them. So I, I again maybe not as mobile as you'd like in today's NBA, but he has some skills, particularly offensively, that will translate pretty well. So so who's another guy that you had uh, as far as one of your underrated signings so far this summer? Tyreek Evans, uh, at one year, $12 million for the Pacers. I love that signing, especially because they were able to, they basically swapped Lance Stevenson well, for Tyreek yeah. Evans. Anytime you can I get mean, rid of Lance or any <laughs> player, that's fine. Look, I, he gives Victor Oladipo that scoring partner that he didn't have last season. I mean, Tyreek averaged nearly 20 points per game in Memphis last year. He could space the floor. He dramatically improved that jumper famously by making 39% on nearly five and a half three-point attempts per game. Um, I just I love the move for them because in the playoffs, that in they pushed the Cavaliers to the brink there in that first round. But there there that was a they clearly missed like that extra something that extra score that guy that when Oladipo was getting trapped at the perimeter, which Cleveland did so much in that first round, he didn't have that outlet. And Tyreek Evans is a great outlet to have. And he could play next to Oladipo. They're both these big body guards, but Evans, he could play a little bit of small forward. I think in Oladipo basically ended up playing point guard towards the end of the year, um, despite them having Darren Collison. But you could play all three of those guys and, and be just fine. I mean, you still have enough size and enough defense there um, to be good at that position. So I, I, I think it's a perfect fit. I love Tyreek Evans there. I wouldn't be surprised if this one-year deal led to a long-term deal with Indiana because I think the the fit with Old Depot is going to be seamless. You know, I'm not as high on it, to be honest with you. I, I think I think Evans kind of had a big year on a bad Memphis team, and I don't know that they were playing for a whole heck of a lot, and he was just able to put up as much shots, well, uh, more shots than he ever had at any point in his career, honestly, except for his but he had to, rookie but year that, in Sacramento. But the three-point shooting there, like the, 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 the improvements he made in that three-point shooting gives me more... It makes me a little bit more optimistic only because he had to create so much of his own shots, and you would think because of that his three-point percentage would even go down or stay right about where it was for his career, which was like 31-ish percent. Yeah. 
I just I think that because he made that improvement, like you he's think not he's turned a play. point as a three point shooter, that, that turned a corner that he's going to be. I really do. A legitimate three point shooter. Okay. I mean, that's the question, right? There is a possibility that it was a fluke and that he was just so in rhythm all the time because he always had the ball in his hands that he was able to make those shots. But if he's he's not going to score 20 points per game with Indiana. We know that. I mean, he shot 39% from three-point range on 3.4 attempts in the 15-16 season. So it's it's been on the upwards trajectory for some time now. I, I You know, it could hold. It could hold. Yeah, it dipped the, the next season and, uh, you know, Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure exactly how that fit will be. It's great to have another scorer on there, absolutely. And, and you know, I don't think he's as bad defensively as, as we, you know, a lot of people might suspect. If he's healthy, uh, I think it might be a good fit there. But I'm not quite 100% sold on it, though. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to go with uh, another Pacers teammate, Kyle O'Quinn. Mm. But uh, I decided against it and went with Seth Curry signing in Portland. Um, takes a two-year deal there. Curry... You know, a guy who didn't get a lot of money in free agency like a lot of players. They were expecting to cash in. But then when the well ran dry because of so many big contracts being awarded a couple of years ago, uh, there wasn't much left for him. You know, he was a guy who was probably never going to be getting a whole heck of a lot of money. Although I had heard some Mavericks fans talking before the start of last year or around the start of last year that he was the kind of player that you could build around. Um, I don't think that's quite the case. But, I, you know, obviously he's a hell of a shooter. He's that Portland clearly has a type, right? Another yep. undersized guard that can shoot the lights out. I mean, they lost Shabazz Napier in free mm-hmm. agency. He signed with Brooklyn, but they bring in Curry instead. You know, he's a forty. What he's a forty-five percent, forty-three percent shooter from his career. Shot forty-two point five percent in two thousand sixteen and seventeen. Assuming he's back, and I, we have no reason to suspect that he's not. I, I think he got sat out for most of last season with the Mavericks because they were obviously in full tanking mode. Probably could have come back a lot sooner if they were in the middle of a playoff race, but he didn't. So let's assume that he's healthy. He can contribute offensively there. Now, the question is, is Portland's defense going to be good enough to mask what Curry uh, you know, does on the defensive end? I don't know that they will be. They've lost some key players. They lost Ed Davis and free agency also to the Nets. So um, they bring back Nurkic, who's a very good, def- or, or let's say a solid defender at the center position. So, you know, their defense by committee last year was pretty good. Um you know, it was their offense that struggled for most of the early part of the season, so Curry should help there. Um, I, and you know, I, I I like the fit to be honest with you. I think I'm not he, I'm not as high on it. Okay, I'm really not. I think they by losing Napier, they take a, a step down. I really do. I think that Napier gives them a little bit of the create off the dribble yes, aspect that they doubt. that they're going to lose. And Curry is just kind of like he can do a little bit of that, but he's mostly a spot up shooter. If he's not playing next to Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum. And that's probably the idea is that you're going to play, like, he'll be the guy who plays next to one of those guys. Right. But those guys, those guys being Damian and CJ, have kind of always needed that second or third guy to help create because they're, they're, they're both undersized. They could be easily trapped in pick-and-roll situations and stuff like that. They need that extra outlet, and I just don't know that Seth Curry is going to be that. I, I, they would have been better off, and I don't. this was not necessarily an option for them, but if they were able to retain Shabazz Napier, who I thought did a lot of good things for them last season, instead of sign Seth Curry, I thought that would have been a better move. But I don't know. Maybe they maybe they think differently, or maybe finances got involved. Uh, I haven't dug enough into the situation in Portland to know necessarily. But I think that's going to be a step down for them. Even though he'll he'll help. He'll have and there's going to be big games. Like he definitely has the the higher ceiling than I think Napier does. As far as just going off for twenty points, yeah, you know, making for sure. four or five three pointers, that he's going to win them maybe a game or two over the course of the regular season by doing that. But 
I just think I think it's fine. Like if you're gonna replace Napier, it's fine. But I don't think that it, it I don't think that they improve in any way. Any others that might have stood out there as far as underrated signings? You mentioned Kyle O'Quinn. Anytime any, a team can get Kyle O'Quinn, I'm on the O'Quinn train too. I mean, I love that guy. He's a great. I, he always helps teams. He's like a Robin Lopez type. Like understated, but always ends up helping. Good locker room presence. I think that's a good move for Indiana. I love what Indiana did in general this whole offseason. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of people. You know, kind of picking them as a dark horse to represent the East next Doug season. Doug McDermott, nice signing there too. You know, Maybe, I was kind of low on that one because I think he's limited. Uh, you know, he's a great shooter, but I think there's just a limitation to what else he can do. But I guess they're hoping that playing off of Oladipo and, and, and maybe even Tyreek, that he'll be able to space the floor pretty yeah. consistently. And, and so, that, I mean, it could it could work out. You know, again, I, I have a hard time throwing that much money on players that are that That's limited. That's the problem. I think it could and the, work and out, yeah. four-year deal, too. So if, it's, if it doesn't work out, they're kind of tied You know, to it. I was also leaning towards Mario Hazonia in New York. I don't know yeah. why I seem to think that that's going to be a great move for them. I you've really do. Been, you've been Hazonia. You've been on the Hazonia wagon for a while, though. I guess. <laughs> All right. We'll catch up on some other free agent news next. But first, in addition to the daily Locked On NBA show, the Locked On Podcast Network has a daily show for your favorite NBA team. So go to iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and search for your team. Say, for example, the Miami Heat, then Ooh. subscribe to Locked On Heat, the Locked On Podcast Network, the local experts on the biggest stories. We'll touch on some minorish moves around the NBA over the last few days. For more on the bigger deals like Jabari Parker signing in Chicago and all the stuff that the Nets just did, check out Monday's episode of Locked On NBA with Josh Lloyd and his guests. But let's go to Los Angeles, where after some rumblings that he may head back overseas, Milo Teodosic will remain with the Clippers for the final season of that two-year deal he signed last summer. This is according to the LA Times. Teodosic played just 45 games last season due to injuries. Uh, and he's going to join a loaded backcourt that has Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Avery Bradley, Sandarius Thornwell, uh, Juwan Evans. And then there are two lottery picks that they just took, Jerome Robinson and Shai, Shai Gilgis-Alexander. I think it's Shea, isn't it? Shea, Shai, whatever. Shai LaBeouf. <laughs> with 17 players on their roster now. Something's got to give, and they haven't even brought back uh, Montrez Harrell, who's a, a restricted free agent, so that that still needs to be decided too. So potentially 18 players on the roster with NBA contracts that are at least partially guaranteed. You're only allowed 15. Hmm. So shout out to Austin, Gil- uh, Austin Rivers too, man. That, was, that would have been another <laughs> another guard to have on there. So, um, uh, any, any thoughts on the guy who makes the cut there? I mean. I like all these guys, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's another underwhelming, glutted group of guards there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Beverly, defensive specialist. Williams, that long-range shooter there, had some good games. Bradley, I think he's gone to that point where he's a little overrated. A lot of people still think of him mm-hmm. as a, a lockdown defender. He wasn't that last year. Um, you know, and, and you want those young guys to kind of get some experience there. I, I don't see any of them being cut. Is is Thornwell? Does, has he shown enough in his couple seasons there? Well, this is what his second or third season now. I think it's his third, and it's yeah. been it's you know he's shown flashes, but he's like if you're looking at this logically, I think he's a guy that you can see drop off. Uh, you're not going to cut any of those lottery picks. I don't know what the clip the Clippers are trying to win, but while also building youth, and that's fine. Hmm. Maybe there's a trade that happens here. Um, a Patrick Beverly deal makes sense. I think that he probably has a lot of value if he's healthy. Mm. Uh, I think well, there's a lot of teams that could view him as an asset. Um, Houston could use some defense. They lost a couple key wings true. there. That's true. Um, I don't know. I like Jawan Evans, but maybe they haven't been impressed necessarily with what he's shown them uh, last year. That's why you take two guards in the lottery there. I don't know. 
I think maybe those two guys, Thornwell and Evans, uh, just or they just they don't bring back Harrell and they may, they make a cut elsewhere mm. um, in the front court. But I don't know. After losing DeAndre Jordan, they have to sort of rebuild the center position. Yeah. Um, well, they got the Knicks. Oh, that, that solves everything. Um, in other news, the Knicks waived small forward Troy Williams in a move that reduces their roster to 15 players uh, on NBA contracts plus a pair on two-way contracts. Uh, so the Knicks seem to be set for the season, unlike the Clippers. They understood the, the roster limits. Um, but Williams, he had some nice two-way potential there. He can find a landing spot maybe somewhere else. Sure. All right. I mean, Let's I don't know going. that I have no. a lot of thoughts on Troy Williams' no. standout career so far. He is a player in the NBA. With Kevin Knox there, though, showing some nice things in the summer league, they probably figured he's expendable. We've got our future at small forward at this point. Uh, Dante Cunningham signs with the Spurs. Channing Fry returns home to the Cavs on a one-year deal. I love um, that team. You love that deal. you got to love I a do. homecoming story for Channing Fry. I don't know that it's a homecoming necessarily, but it is a, a good return back to Cleveland. It just says a lot, though, about how like guys like that are willing to re-sign in Cleveland now that LeBron's gone. You know, like the, I think the you constant never stress. To leave Cleveland, right? Good point. I, I think the stress of playing and competing at that level. I mean, it, it's just it has to be taxing. Like you see it on a larger scale with a guy like Kyrie Irving trying to break out and establish himself and not being able to do so because. He's getting sunned all the time by LeBron and, and just being humiliated by the media, asking him ridiculous questions and things of that sort. But even a guy like Fry, who always spoke glowingly of LeBron, there is an understanding there, right? That dealing with LeBron and the circus and the attention and, and kind of having to play at a ridiculously high and specific level all the time just got to wear on you. So I yeah. like seeing him return to Cleveland to play alongside his friend Kevin Love, who I expect to be back on that roster. Now I don't, I don't think Locked On Cavaliers Chris Manning told me that that there's I, he doesn't think that Richard Jefferson is returning. So that, that's unfortunate because it would be great to get all three of them back in in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, still uh, Fry's return there a good thing I think. You know, he's, and Ty Lue I think like to use Channing Fry too, and of course Ty Lue is still there. Um, is. So I, it just it makes. It makes sense. It's weird, though, that, you know, you see so many people, like, veterans like Fry flock to LeBron James' teams because LeBron James is there, despite everything that you just said, which is taxing. And, you know, usually those those stints are short-lived. But have we ever seen a guy that went back to a LeBron team after LeBron left? Like, I don't... Like, one of those veterans? I didn't, I don't remember that happening when LeBron left Cleveland in 2010 or when he well, left Miami Well, that was Miami a different group, though. That was a different group. Oh, yeah, it was I a very know. different group, but it was... Channing Fry likes Cleveland enough. <laughs> that organization ran by Dan Gilbert and this that town, which has you know gotten it's you know people take shots at Cleveland all the time. He likes it enough to go back, uh, or it might have been his only offer. We don't really know, but he's a good locker room presence. Awesome to have him there, and that's going to be huge for for at least that locker room going forward. It's nice to have some familiarity there, um, some positive atmosphere that Channing Fry always brings to that locker room. I just think as a locker room presence, he's huge, and he probably. He seems to me like a guy who could finish his career with, with the Cavaliers and just that sort of sense. become a hometown hero there, so to speak. Yeah. Um, final bit of news, the Pistons will guarantee Reggie Bullock's contract. They kept him through that July 15th contract deadline. They sort of had a team option. It was not technically a team option on him. Um, but they were cap-strapped, and, and you could see a world where they'd opt to get off of that $2.5 million that he's owed. But overall, he's it's a good thing that they kept him. He's a nice 3 and D wing. Uh, he's made, he made he showed some substantial growth last season. I think this is the right move for Detroit. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I'm you know 
Stan Van Gundy had such a weird rotation. Like you never knew who was in and who was out. He wanted something different, it seemed, on the outside anyway on a daily basis. And I think that that was perplexing even for a guy like Bullock. You know, there were days there where he wouldn't get a lot of playing time. And, and mm-hmm. you know, that was very strange to see from the outside. So I'm curious to see what Dwayne Casey can do to help, you know, continue to build on last year's growth and maybe take him to another level. So I think it's a great move for Detroit. A nice insurance policy, too, for Stanley Johnson, who may or may not pan out. Um mm. That's all we have for today. You can subscribe to Locked On NBA on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We'll be back next Tuesday. You can find us on Locked On Heat. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.